and welcome to Dumpster Divers, the <laughs> offshoot of the popular Glyph Gatchers podcast. Uh, this is, of course, the one where we dive into all of the worst of Hollywood cinema and just really razz it up, just take the piss out of it. Um, yeah. Everyone loves it. We just talk about shit that we hate all the time, and everyone loves to hate it along with us. Yeah. Um, as always... Um, I will be playing Pokemon Silver while we record this. Um, or in fact, I actually switched because as people remember last time, um, I, I caught all the unknown in Pokemon Silver. Um, but then I was thinking in between podcasts of there's Crystal. What if like mm-hmm. there were complaints? Because we are so sad that there were like hardly was anything when we caught the all the unknown in Silver. So what if in Crystal they heard those complaints and they added it to the game. So I'm going to be playing uh, Crystal. I'm just starting it up right now. Okay, um, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, my... I, yeah. I've got... I bought Crystal, but I can't get... Like, I just haven't... I still haven't figured out how to get past Pseudo Widow in Silver. Yeah. That's really... That's why you, you caught um, up the Unknown before oh. me, because I, I just couldn't... I can't get past yeah. that part. Um, uh, what time is it? Oh, I have to mean, like, I have to input the time. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. It's eight. It's like eight thirty, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. How many minutes? Um, God, thirty is like the exact middle here. It's eight thirty, fifty-seven, fifty-eight. Okay, I'll I'll do eight thirty-one okay. here. It, yeah. If yeah. There we go. Eight... I hit it like right on time. Oh my god! Right okay. on time. Oh my god! That's perfect. No wonder it's so dark. Okay. It says. Is that that's part of the. Um, Sorry, I'm just taking in this. I'm just taking in the music. It, it's just yeah. It just soothes my soul. Um, so that's probably would be part of the secret. I expect if they actually did do something like that cool, you know, you would need to yeah. like. It would have to be something that you have to do several steps going to like the very very beginning of the game, and the first one is yeah. entering the time in like exactly right. Yeah. So well, I, think, I did do that. I think you're good so far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, while I play this, um, do do we want to like? Did you watch anything or? Um, I did. I did, but I think I might just rather listen to you playing Pokemon for the next yeah. hour or so. <laughs> okay. Um. um well, this, so let's just do that. Yeah. Let's just. Okay. I'm just gonna listen for a little. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to like narrate what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Can you choose um, Totodile? I I was gonna. So the, when I first played this game, I play, I chose Totodile. Okay. And I was thinking about maybe doing Cyndaquil. Uh, but Totodile um, is the best. Onia, our neighbor, Prof Elm, was looking for you. He okay. said he wanted you to do something for him. Oh, I almost forgot. Your Pokemon gear is back from the repair shop. Here you go. Oh, Elm. You cheeky bastard. Yeah. No, this is my mom. Oh, Pokemon okay. gear or just Poke gear. It's essential if you want to be a good trainer. Oh, the day of the week isn't set. You mustn't forget that. What day is it? Oh, it's Monday. Yes, I got it. You got okay. it? Yeah. Nice. And it is currently okay. daylight savings time. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. She says that the, if um, when daylight savings time ends, then I have to return home to adjust my clock. Um, 
But who knows? Maybe by then they'll like have passed that thing where I won't have to do that. Yeah, that sounds like you know, another mechanic or, that you shouldn't yeah. forget. You're gonna need that later. Yeah. Um. Um. So, yeah. So I did um watch this movie last night. Um, it was called Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. I'm, um. I'll just. I'm gonna turn on the volume here, but okay. I will continue to play. I just. I know it's like coming up on the mic. Um, I'm really enjoying the music, but um, me too. Just yeah. don't choose Cyndaquil. I just I think like in the what, what do you have against those Cyndaquil? early generations? <clears throat> so here's my thing. So in those early generations, like choosing fire type is so like OP because there aren't as many good like fire types in just like in the game yeah. as opposed to like grass and water. Um, so I feel like it's just a little, like, you're just making it too easy on yourself if you choose, like, a fire starter, you know? Yeah. Because then you just have, like, oh, yeah, I just have one of the strongest, like, non-legendary fire Pokemon in the game automatically instead of having to, like, you know, get one 75% of the way through the game. Yeah. Because Pokemon games are really balanced like that. But on the other hand, Cyndaquil's a little cutie. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, but Typhlosion is, like, ugly as hell. And, like, Feraligator is still, like, kind of cute. I know some people who are listening to this podcast that might throw hands at that. (laughs) Okay, well, right into the question bucket. I'm just saying, in my humble opinion, like, the entire, like, Totodile evolutionary line is, like... Has a has a genesis qua about it, you know. Yeah. Um, plus, I just um, like you know. Anyway. I'm a fan of alligator type <laughs> Pokemon, you know. Yeah, crocodile. It's, I, I like Totodile a lot. I think it's my favorite of the the starters. But I've just like when I played this as a kid, both um, silver and crystal, I picked Totodile. So I I wanted to like mix it up a little mm. bit this time. So I guess I could do yeah, that's fair. Um, Bayleaf. Yeah. Or whatever that. Is Bayleaf the starter, the, like, low-level one? Yeah, Bayleaf, and then, like, eventually... I can't yeah. remember the middle, but it's, like, Bayleaf something Meganium, I think. Yeah. Meganium is okay. Um, Meganium is just, like, what even... Oh, no. Bayleaf is a little... I'm at the part where, where I get to choose it right now. Uh, Chikorita. Chikorita. Bayleaf is the middle. Okay. Chikorita yeah. is good. Bayleaf, like, I think that one... I don't mind the Chikorita line. But, like, Meganium, it's just like, what the fuck is this thing, even? Yeah. It just looks like a um, lizard stuffed inside of a flower. Yeah. Or, like, a turtle. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, we... Anyway. <laughs> so, dropping this bit that I just thought would be funny to bring back, um, because I do have a Game Boy Color, and I do have Pokemon Crystal. I just still own these things. Um, I did turn it on for this bit and there there was no like existing save file so I think my battery in the cart is probably dead and would need to be replaced if I actually mm. wanted to play it but um yeah this that is, is pretty this cool is ghost that. divers um and you might be listening to this and still at this point not quite sure what's going on um just enraged by my comments about Typhlosion. Yeah. Because also the the title of this episode is not going to be the actual movie. It's going to be like some 
glyph catchers joke thing. Hmm. Uh, but you you may have put it together by the evidence that we've dropped throughout this little conversation uh, that we've carefully planned. And I didn't just throw on Connor on the fly, um, which is we watched the Ghost in the Shell like Hollywood movie from 2017. Um, this is a thing that we decided would be a funny because we realized that like the uh, second gig stuff was going to start on April 1st. Um, and so we were like, Oh, it'd be funny to release an episode that is about ghost in the shell 2017. And then the same day, like a little bit later. So if you're listening to this, if you, if you got this in your feed and you're like, what the hell's going on? Don't worry. Like later on, there's going to be at the correct time. I think I'm going to release this like in the middle of the night. Um, just so people might wake up and see it. Or if they're like up really late, they'll see it. And then at the normal time, which is uh, seven central is when I (laughs) schedule episodes to go out. Mm -hmm. Um, The actual start of second gig uh, will still air. So you're just getting a bonus episode. Don't be mad at us. We're we're not actually delaying things. Um, I am going to actually play here. uh, Not for you, Connor, but I'm going to like insert it in the editing. Um, I did an outtake when we were recording our intro episode, because this is a like idea that I vaguely had. And then you made a joke while we were doing that, where I was just like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to like ask Connor about this right now and I will edit it out. But I did save the the part that I took out and, and I'll play it right here. So people can like see in the moment us deciding to do this stupid bit. The 1995 Ghost in the Shell is just something that we watch on, like, ornate stairwells all the time. We just watch these movies wait, about wait, people wait, being wait, sad, wait. basically. Wait, I thought we were watching the live action. No. <laughs> um, now, I have... Well, now, okay, now we're going to have to discuss this because I wanted to watch the live action. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark this and, and cut this out. Okay. I'm just giving you a hard no, time. Ju- this is something that I actually wanted to briefly ask in terms of like, are you, I don't know if I want to do this, but now that you've specifically raised it, what, <laughs> we're about to record Oops. the first part of second gig. What if we move that right down to April 15th when we record this episode and I do the list of when episodes are coming out, I'm still going to pretend like we're not going to do what we're actually going to do on April 1st which is we're going to do the live action ghost in the shell movie and talk about it as an April fool's thing. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. You were planning to like spring this on me. Um, it was the thing that I was thinking about and I, I wanted to at some point gauge your reaction. Um, <laughs> and so I was kind of planning that we would just record this intro episode and not like me, not tell you this is the thing I'm thinking about. Um, and then okay. we would discuss it when we were getting closer of being like, Hey, what if we like, because the big thing is it might involve pushing back a lot of stuff or we would just slot in and have like a more rapid thing. But um, yeah. And yeah. then once again, like our, our brains just like synchronized yeah. in a way that made it unavoidable. Um, the like, other thing that I was hey, considering. Like, I'm wondering if Connor will think this joke is funny. Yeah. And then like, here, here's a funny joke. Let's watch live action. Here's <laughs> in the show. The other thing <laughs> is that we do do that. And then we still release this on the same day, but we release it later in the day. Like, we still release the beginning. Just so it's like, April Fool's, here's this episode about the Ghost in the Shell live action. Also, here, actually, we are still going to follow the schedule and do second gig. But, um, 
Yeah. I was planning to just okay, record yeah, this, and that. as we got closer, be like, how are we feeling about possibly recording addition, an additional episode where we do um, the live-action Ghost in the Shell movie as a, a goof? Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay. All right, back to, back to scheduled programming. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to do a little mark real quick. We have a lot of editing to do with this one. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah, I... I guess I can just to like get us into it. I can get into here's the actual breakdown of when we're going to watch things. Um, but yeah. And then I, yeah. we both watched the movie and we regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. Don't be mad well, at us for the April fool's joke. We're, we're already yeah. mad at ourselves for doing this. Um, and, and, uh, people just listened to the the part that I clipped out where you said that you really wanted to watch the Ghost in the Shell 2017 movie. I also want to be clear that that did not seem to be true because when we were going to record this uh, Saturday night, our normal recording time, um, you realized that you did not actually watch the movie that we were supposed to watch for the recording. You watched Solid State Society, which we're going to record in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we are recording this Monday night now. So, kind of seems like you didn't want to watch this movie, Hannah. Yeah. No, I. It definitely. <laughs> it definitely wasn't just like a, a. A mistake on my part for me. So, okay, I'll tell you what didn't happen. This is what didn't happen. So, I didn't like use a screenshot that you posted, a screenshot of the schedule that you posted in one of our line chats. Like, several months ago as my reference for what like movie we needed to watch um i definitely did not do that instead of going to the meticulously maintained like shared google spreadsheet that we have our actual up-to-date schedule on um yeah (laughs) so you know like i i didn't look at the old screenshot and then have like 2017 not being on there because we hadn't decided to do this yet. Um, and then just be like, oh, Salt yeah. State Society, right? Um, so, yeah, I definitely didn't make any kind of, like, silly mistake like that. It was just me trying to, like, just really, like, regretting choosing yeah. to, like, let this happen. And then trying to get out of it. I was really hoping that you'd just be like, ah, fuck it, you know? Like you didn't watch the movie. Let's just let's just skip it. You know. Yeah. Um. No. But at that point, I had already watched the movie, and I needed you to suffer with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, what um, ended up happening is, I like chose to watch the movie yesterday, Sunday. I started it at mm-hmm. like way too late, at like eleven thirty, and then like watched it late into the night um, because I was like stopping to like take notes and um, compose myself <laughs> at various, at various moments. Um, yeah. And then like having to get up early for work this morning, um, just like, like a, a host of misfortunes occurred to me after watching this movie, like late last night. Um, so this has just been like a, a like cascading, uh, like horrible decision so far. 
Um, now, like, I don't know if you can tell, but my throat is, like, all messed up. Um, yeah. So my throat, I woke up, my throat was, like, completely raw um, going into a night where we were going to podcast. So I was like, okay, that's good. Um, yeah. And then, like, uh, I slept horribly. Like, it's, it's really, uh, like, it's really ironic because when we were texting last night about the movie... And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep now. Ha ha. Like this is, you know, I hope I don't have nightmares about this movie. And then like, yeah, sure enough. Like I had horrific nightmares <laughs> all night long. Um, I woke up just like also feeling like physically ill. And then I went into work and I was just like, like I, I was just insufferable. Like I was so angry <laughs> at everyone all day. Um, I, I think, I, I don't think I took it out on, like, on anyone too bad, but I just, like, felt seething rage all day long. Um, so yeah, and I, I blame it all on the film. Um, yeah. it's at least 90% the movie, and then the, like, the throat might be, um, because my girlfriend likes to sleep with the ceiling fan and, like, a Vornado fan on full blast, like right into our faces. Um, which is terrible for your sinuses, um, and throat, but yeah. So 90% the movie though. Yeah. Um, before we actually get into the movie, do we want to do a drink check? Yeah, that's, I think that's a good idea. I'm actually prepared for this Um, one. So as usual, I, yeah, as usual, I I tried to do uh some like drinks that I felt were thematic to what we're talking about. Um, so one I I have a Kieran Ichiban in here, which is just kind of like what I was drinking throughout most of the Ghost in the Shell stuff that we've done. Um, just like my favorite Japanese beer. Um, and then I also have this is from Central Waters Brewing Company. Um. It's called Duncan, and it is an imperial milk stout with graham crackers, lactose, and natural flavors. Okay. I'm going to open this one up first. Um, and uh, in case you were wondering, why is it called Duncan? Um, it does have a, a picture of a kangaroo on the label, because mm. it's meant to taste like Dunkaroos. Oh, um, okay. And so... I think that this is thematic because um, what better represents Ghost in the Shell 2017 than this kind of like weird fixation on 90s childhood, but like with a misunderstanding of like what was good about any of it. Um, Also like a a veneer of like just like weird misplaced nostalgia, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take a sip of Duncan. I haven't. Um, Emily got these and I drank one and I was like, you can drink the rest of them. Um, and then they've <laughs> sat, um, in our, our liquor cabinet for like two years now. So I'm going to drink oh a two God. year old <laughs> Dunkaroos beer. Yeah. I don't actually know if it's been two years, but, um, let's see. No. So it was canned on, uh, in January, 2021. So it's a little over a year old. Okay. Well, as we know, anything beyond 30 minutes and- it's just basically piss. Yeah. So, Ugh. 
Wait, hold on. You've you've tasted it before, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's still that much of a reaction, even after tasting it. I mean, I tasted it a year ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it better a year ago? Or had it already been sitting out for 30 minutes at that point? Yeah, I mean, it had already been sitting out for 30 minutes at that point. Okay, well, then it's just, Um, all bets are off. Yeah, what do you have? Um... Okay, so first thing, um, as like as we were going through all of the items in the apartment um, over the last like few weeks, um, my girlfriend found this bottle of vodka. Um, it's like a small bottle, and she was like, "What yeah. the heck is this?" And I was like, "Oh my god, this is something that Nia gave me." Like years ago and because i never like so i almost never drink hard alcohol as you basically know um i don't make cocktails or anything um so i just kept it as like a sentimental thing and i was like yeah i'll drink this at some point um but it's the the reka icelandic vodka do you remember yeah. this yeah it's a how, good vodka how long ago was this this is when you went to iceland right probably yeah this is like your most recent trip to iceland which was like 2019 um maybe 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 2018 or i was probably when when emily went to iceland but yeah okay yeah um so anyway i was like well i i know what i'm gonna do with this now i'm gonna drink it on the podcast as like a bit um for like a drink check so i had it sitting on the counter <clears throat> waiting for the day and then um as i was going to bed last night after finishing the movie i was like okay i'm gonna need that <laughs> tomorrow is the day um so that's the first part of my drink check and i think i'm i'm not just gonna like chug this whole thing because it's i think a little too big to chug but i am gonna drink it yeah, straight it- it's like one of those like little bottles. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's a little bottle. Um mm-hmm. like like little tiny, like this is like a shot or two, basically. Yeah, I think it's probably two shots. Um which at this point if I drink two shots like right away at the top of this podcast, it's not that's probably not gonna yeah. be good. Um so I'm just gonna drink like maybe like half of it. Um, okay. what else do you have um or do you want to do you want to give a review first um it's good it's it's very volcanic <clears throat> um it tastes yeah it tastes very pure um pure vodka i mean yeah they they um filter it through like volcanic ash or something i think it says here lava rock filtration yeah so it also says carter had still arctic spring water so there you go um yeah it's it's just ah 
it yeah it it hits pretty hard it's uh but it's good um so the other thing i have so that's the first part uh of my drink check is necessity because of having to watch and discuss this movie and then the other aspect of this um going along with the like just um extremely like this this movie's like apparent extreme confusion about the concept of ethnicity um and like uh just like the um where where is this going connor where the, is this going <laughs> the interweaving of like um the treatment of ethnicity in this film and its total confusion um so yesterday i was at kroger and i found um this beer by a local company, Westside Brewing, and it is uh, called the GIL, which is the German Irish style lager. Um, which I thought, hey, that, that's uh, me. <laughs> that's me. Um, so I got it before watching the movie um, because I was like, this just seems so delightfully fucked up. And it is a lager, you know, so that that appeals to me. Um, but I knew it was going to be like good fodder for drink check. Cause it was either going to be like terrible or passable. Um, and passable for me is good. So, um, yeah. And then I watched the movie and I was like, okay, this is perfect. German, Irish, yeah. Japanese, you know, who's yeah. to say. Mira Killian. Do we want to do the synopsis and get into talking about this movie now? Yeah. Um, the beer is a little... Uh, uh, you know, it it tastes it tastes like you would think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm um, opening the Kiranichi bond because I am not finishing this Dunkaroos beer. Yeah, I don't blame you. Oh, that's so much more pleasant. Uh, I'm glad we had a. I'm glad we had a good thematic drink check. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Ghost in the Shell 2017. In the near future, humans are augmented with cybernetic improvements to traits such as vision, strength, and intelligence. Augmentation developer Honka Robotics establishes a secret project to develop an artificial body, or quote unquote shell, that can integrate mm. a human brain rather than an AI. Mira Killian, the sole survivor of it. I don't know if they say cyber terrorist. I think they just say terrorist, but the sole survivor of a terrorist attack, which killed her parents, is chosen as the test subject after her body is damaged beyond repair. Over the objections... We are just reading from Wikipedia again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, this is... um, The, like... The exposition of the film is... um, Like, so, like hackneyed and also like inept that none of this is really like delivered coherently um yeah i I would say like in until like halfway through the movie um yeah you get some of this exposition um so yeah she's chosen as a test subject after her body is damaged beyond repair over the objections of her designer Dr. Ule, 
uh, Honka Robotics CEO Cutter decides to use Killian as a counterterrorism operative. A year Everyone's later, favorite Ghost in the Shell character, Cutter. Yeah. Um, maybe more to say about Cutter um, yeah. later on. Uh, but yeah, just Cutter or Mr. Cutter. Um, you know, they were just like, what's a, what's a good, like, subtle villain name? Oh, I know, Cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, a year later, Killian has attained the rank of major in the Counterterrorism Bureau, Section 9. Um, side note, what, where, what about all the other sections? We don't even get them in this, in this movie. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, working alongside operatives Bato and Togusa under Chief Daisuke Aramaki. Killian, who experiences hallucinations that Ule dismisses as glitches, is troubled by how little she remembers of her past. The team thwarts a terrorist attack on the Honka business conference, and Killian destroys a robotic geisha after it murders a hostage. Um, the person it murders is actually, like, a high up in Honka robotics. Um, yeah. and it, like, hacks him to, at, like, in the process of murdering him. Um... After learning that the geisha was hacked by an unknown entity known as Kuze, whoa, um, who could that be? <laughs> More on him later when you listen to our second gig episodes. Um, Killian breaks protocol and quote unquote dives into its AI for answers. Just like our podcast. Whoa. <laughs> um, well, just like the Ghost of the Shell anime series. <laughs> um, the entity attempts to counter hack and Bato is forced to disconnect her. They trace the, ha- the hacker to a Yakuza nightclub, where they're lured into a trap. That's never happened in a Yakuza nightclub in, uh, in media before. Yeah. Um, the explosion destroys Bato's eyes and damages Killian's body. Okay, so the trap ends with them, like, I, coming so yeah, across a ne- bomb. And the which explodes, yeah. which then destroys we Bato's to- eyes. We need to be clear, too. Uh, Bato, up until this point in the movie, has just had normal human eyes, i.e. not like the Bato everyone knows and loves, but this movie is so Hollywood-brained that it needs to provide backstory for why Bato has his eyes. <laughs> that also is just, yeah. like, not the actual backstory of he was just in the Rangers, and that's what the Rangers have. <laughs> yeah. Um, just yeah. one instance of many of, like, this film being so, like, mixed up and, like whacked out of proportion <laughs> where like yeah. things that don't need backstory like and are irrelevant are given inordinate backstory and then like things that are actually like crucial for the movie to make sense are just like completely absent or like perfunctorily thrown out in like one line one um, of the weirdest is the introduction of Togusa is him being like you know anti-cybernetic like but to an extreme degree in a way that he like never really is in the show but where he's just like oh these cybernetic people blah 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 he's like um, all human in a way and proud where, of it yeah yeah in a way where i thought the the movie was going to be more about like a relationship between here mira killian and togusa like that that would feature more to like develop what's going on there and no he's just purely brought in to nope. be like well togusa's like anti-cybernetic right let's make that clear <laughs> anyway, yeah, and then like i'll let never you continue with on. the synopsis yeah yeah, yeah. like we'll talk also, about we'll talk um, about emo togusa later 
Yeah. Also, I just want to, to quick throw out here, too, that um, when... So, the notes that I have in our notes document is just what I literally wrote out while I was watching the movie. I just... These were all the things that I wrote. Um, and it the first time that Aramaki appeared on screen, I just typed in all caps, Beat Takeshi as Aramaki, which I knew. Um, this actually came up on an Ornate Stairwells where... Um, M mentioned it, and I had to feign why I knew that bit of trivia, which was specifically I noticed it when I added this movie to my Plex server, um, and instead was like, "Oh yeah, I saw that when I was looking at some stuff that Beat Takeshi had been in." <laughs> yeah, because we're definitely that. never doing this movie on on Ghost Divers. Got to plug anime that Plex It's not anime. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. Yeah. No. So we may. Nobody we... should pay to watch this movie. Nobody should pay to watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, honestly like you should no one should watch this movie if you watch this Mm. movie by like by accident you should be paid damages (laughs) yeah um okay so um yes so the explosion um in the yakuza nightclub it destroys bato's eyes and damages uh killian's body um cutter is enraged by killian's actions specifically uh hacking the geisha and like exposing his company's precious hardware to like you know like like malware and botnets um yeah and threatens to have section 9 shut down unless aramaki keeps her in line uh kuze meanwhile tracks down section 9's honka consultant dr dalin and kills her the team links her uh links her murder to the deaths of other senior company researchers including the um, the one in the initial terrorist attack, and realizes that Ule is the next target. Uh, Kuze takes control of two sanitation workers and sends them to kill Ule um, in an epi- in a sequence that might be somewhat familiar if you are a fan yeah. of Ghost in the Shell. Um, <laughs> uh, Except they, like, mess up the weirdness of, like... There's, like, a slow dawning realization throughout the entire thing that, like, no, they aren't just, like, being paid to, like, do some hacking for this guy. Like, they're, like, it becomes increasingly clear the degree to which the pop-up master has, like, taken over who they are and, like, erased any thoughts that they have of their own self by just, like, immediately having the scene where it's just, like, and then suddenly they're (laughs) hacked and, like, you know, just behaving completely differently. Um, And it just, like, kills all the impact that's in the original. Because they just need you to know from the very beginning that they're hacked before, you know, people will shoot them and stuff. Um, We don't want people to think that, you know... (laughs) All of the ambiguity and, like, the slow burn and the mystery, yeah, is just, like, completely eradicated. (laughs) Um... You just have, like, oh, like, let's just have, like, a veiny wire thing in the side of his head that's going to, like, turn black and go, like, beep, beep. And then he's just, like, straightens up and starts moving strangely. And then, like, yeah. you know they're hacked or whatever. Yeah. Um, now he's just, like, a zombie for Kuze. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, this whole sequence, like, uh, uh. And then he's just, like, there's, like, way too much time of him like so after they like crash Ule's car and like (sighs) okay never mind like this whole sequence (laughs) is like is just fucking garbage um so anyway um now with cybernetic eyes uh Bato (laughs) Bato kills one of the sanitation workers 
while the repaired Killian subdues the other. Um, while they interrogate the worker, uh, Kuze speaks through him before compelling him to commit suicide. Um, so we're basically just like, like throwing like every, like throwing like the 95 film and solid state society and together, I think here. And also Um, bits of innocence, not quite as much, but like they're like pulling geisha imagery that kind of exists in innocence with the dolls, but like not doing much with it other than it just being like the cool monster design at the beginning of the movie or whatever. The shock factor of like Um, the jump scare when it like, yeah, like opens up. Um, yeah, and I feel like they they pull some a few other things just like around Bato, like um, Bato being really into dogs is a yeah. is a thing that like Oshi I think especially introduced in um, Innocence, but that kind of comes up in in like um, standalone complex. But like um, Oshi in particular is just very fond of dogs, so um, but like you know here he's like feeding stray dogs and stuff. Um, so there's like there's definitely stuff that they're pulling from from um multiple sources here but uh they're kind of just like jamming everything together and just like like they do a thing which people who are watching along haven't like really gotten to second gig but there's a a specific thing in there about like oh uh different minds being like in connection with one mind and they do that with kuze but in this like far more um like weird literalized like he's just built a network out of people with wires sticking out of their heads Mm. but also they've made such a big deal of like the major being so unique that she like needs to have a like take medication to to um be able to like be in this body and things to not reject Um, the like interface of the brain and the cybernetics yeah and so then i'm just like how the fuck are they like how the fuck is this guy able to just take a bunch of people and then like wire their brains into a single network if like this is how her brain is rejecting the body that she has like none of it is like thought out in that way because it doesn't care they just want to pull cool images from ghost in the shell yeah make a a bad hollywood movie with it anyway yeah there's just like a, a room full of like monks or like mm-hmm. monk esque like people, just like sitting yeah. around like with wires in their head, and then there's like, you know, like emo like like Kuze in the other room like stomping around like throwing like shit against the wall and ranting about like being an angsty teenager. Um, it's really it's really bizarre. Um. But yeah, the the dog thing. I just want to like have a comment on this. Like in our like innocence episode, I think we touched on how like Bato's love of dogs takes on this like huge like symbolic like weight and becomes almost like a uh, like a, a central like piece of the like thematic framework of the movie uh and yeah. here it's like eh, i just love dogs you know um so that's what they I just that's what they got bone and they like me yeah. <laughs> i just i just like to watch the ears go flop flop you know um <laughs> so, the, so that's what that's what they got from, from hey i'm afraid Sean's. they might be scared of my new weird eyes can you go feed them major <laughs> 
there's only one dog left really out of the like three, three initially, but it's just funny. He do, he totally yeah. like for like five minutes. He has a new, a really thick New York accent, and then he doesn't have it at all. The rest of the movie, he's like, yeah. Hey, there's only one dog left from the three that were there earlier. I wonder if there's something going on there. Nope. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. All right. So, <laughs> um, did I mention he has cybernetic eyes now? Now that now with his cybernetic <laughs> eyes, he, <laughs> he kills one of the sanitation workers, um, while the repaired Killian subdues the other. Um, okay, so one more thing about this sequence, the so okay, just like if you if you haven't watched this movie, which like I I hope you don't sincerely, yeah. please don't. Um, this sequence is like so in, in addition to all of the like bad filmmaking that we talked about a minute ago like so they're just like zombies that are like mindlessly trying to kill dr ule and so they ram the like garbage truck into her like um into her car and like then just like instantly slaughter like everyone else who's in the car and then dr ule like crawls out like fully incapacitated and the one like sanitation worker guy just since they're like yelling incoherently, like asking all of these like random ass questions that like make no sense. Um, yeah. It, like that we find out like Kuze already like knows the answer to like later on in the film. Um, so it's literally just like a nonsense like delay and just such a stupid scene, honestly. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So they stop the assassination attempt. They bring the worker back. There's the like fake reprise of the, um, garbage man interrogation scene, um, from the 95 film. And then like the guy commits suicide. Um, while like, so this is combined with the like, oh, keep keep him on the line. Like we're gonna trace the call trope. Um, so like while Togus is like tracing the call, um, they like they succeed and they find that um, Kuze's hideout, uh, where they like you know go into the hideout. They discover all of the shit we were talking about earlier um, with the people. Like there's like people in Link plastic together. bags for some reason. There's like people, you know, with wires hanging out of their head. Um, what does any of this mean? I don't know. Uh, it's never expounded on, um, like in any meaningful way. Um, Killian meets Kuze. Um, she's captured. Um, Kuze reveals that he is a failed Honka test subject from the same project that created Killian. Um, he urges her project two five seven one, slightly different than the <laughs> Puppet Master one. Yeah, just like one digit different there. Um, yeah. So, um, there's also some like expository problems with this as well because at first Kuze is like, "Oh, I've been born many times." Like, and there's this kind of like heavy implication that his like that his like consciousness and ghost has like 
migrated through the network and then like gone into a new body or something. Yeah, they're doing um, like the beginning is like really just pulling from Puppet Master stuff. Yeah, but then it's just like, oh wait, no, actually, I'm just like the like I'm just a guy. Yeah, I'm just a guy. I'm just like the the exact same as like the major, except I was the previous one, and like they didn't think I was like good enough for some reason. So then they just like yeah. sent me somewhere, um, and then I escaped, and now I'm back for revenge. Um, and they also set up this, like, the major is, like, flawless and beautiful, and he is, like, um, ugly and scarred thing that they also never really develop in any sort of interesting way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's, like, asymmetric, like, or, like, you know, like, his hair is asymmetric, and then, like, his face is missing pieces, and... His speech is, like, yeah. broken up and, like, glitchy and, you know. And also, like, some of the dialogue, like, implies, like, uh, a Phantom of the Opera, like, don't look at me, I'm hideous, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though I mean, he's, yeah, like, I'm... still played by a, a perfectly, f- like, not one of the most handsome actors, but a perfectly fine actor, you right. know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and he's, like, uh, yeah, and then going along with that, he's, like, in a hood for the first, like... You yeah, know. they get Emperor Palpatine to play him for the first half of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's like running around in like you know, like a hood and like, you know, this is like total like Lincoln Park era, like you know, yeah. cool guy like cyberpunk. I'm just glad that Shiva is still getting work. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we'll never get through this plot synopsis. Um, uh, so yeah, so there's some, all this is happening and then Kuze urges Killian to question her own memories, uh, and to stop taking her medication, um, as it actually helps to block her memories. Um, and then Hollywood it's re- movies love to be like, stop taking your pills, but with no like actual interrogation of any of it. <laughs> yeah. They're just controlling your mind, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then it, one important thing is they discover that they, like, share a memory, um, which is this, like, this quote-unquote glitch, but this, like, visual hallucination that the Major keeps happening, ha- keeps having of, like, this burning, like, pagoda, I guess. Yeah, because everything um, has to and be... And he's got, like, a tattoo of it like, for some reason. weirdly orientalist, so it's a burning yeah. pagoda. yeah. And, like, he's got a tattoo of it, like, memento style, you know? Like, yeah. oh, like, this memory's really important to me. Like, let me just tattoo it on me. Because um, that's a thing. Um, so, you know, they, like, conveniently discover that they share this memory. Um, so as Section 9 is, like, closing in um, to capture Kuze, uh, Kuze frees the Major, and then she, like, runs away. Um, flees, like, with Kuze from Section 9. Um, oh, I have to, I have to take over now. Uh, so, yeah. um, Killian confronts Ule, who admits that, uh, 98 test subjects died before Killian and that our memories are implanted. It's a nice round uh, number. Cutter has, yeah. Uh, Cutter has decided that Killian is a liability and orders Ule to kill her, uh, using like some chemicals basically to inject into her brain. 
um, after she returns to Hanka Robotics. However, uh, Kulian instead gives her, or Kulian, Ule instead gives Killian. <laughs> yeah. Um, an address and helps her escape. Uh, Cutter kills uh, Ole, or I think it's I forget Ule. how you say her name. Ule. Yeah. Uh, but blames Killian, uh, saying that she has gone rogue. He informs Aramaki and the team that Killian must be terminated. Uh, Killian follows the address to an apartment occupied by a widowed mother, reveals that her daughter, Motoko Kuzanagi, ran Whoa. away from home a year ago and was arrested. While in custody, Motoko took her own life. Uh, or so say the, the authorities. Um... Killian leaves and contacts Aramaki, who allows Cutter to remotely eavesdrop on their conversation. Uh, Bato, Tokusa, and Aramaki eliminate Cutter's men, trying to ambush them, while uh, Killian follows her memories to the hideaway where Motoko was last seen. Uh, there she and Kuze meet and recall their past lives as anti augmentation radicals who were abducted <laughs> by Hanka as test subjects. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, or something. Yeah. Just like they, the implication there is like, man, I can't believe that, uh, you know, not to, to say too much about second gig, but I can't believe that ghost in the shell 2017 had the worst romantic backstory for the major. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, can, can you really not believe it though? That's true. I, of course, they had to put in a stupid romantic backstory, and of course, they had to do the stupidest one that they could. Uh, yeah. They didn't make it worse. So anyway, uh, Cutter destroys a or deploys a spider tank to kill them, which he's just like piloting remotely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and... for like literally also no reason. Yeah, Th- this is a thing that like we can maybe get into more, but um, I don't know exactly how much time I really want to spend on this movie, but like. It just struck me how much um, this movie felt the need to have, like, a single centralized villain who you could just, like, you know, kick into a pool of water and then it's all over. Um, Instead of it just being like, no, it's just like a soldier in a tank and she's just, like, fails to rip it open. Which, in this movie, she succeeds. She succeeds in, like, defeating the spider tank in a way that she just really doesn't in the movie. Um, But anyway... You know, in, in Ghost in the Shell 1995, it's like, even all of this, like, high-tech, cybernetic, weaponized body, she still can't, like, rip open a tank, even right. though she gets very close to it. Um, anyway, Cutter disploy, uh, deploys a spider tank to kill them. Kuze nearly dies before Killian is able to tear out the tank's motor control center, losing an arm in the process, and again, succeeding at a thing that 1995 Major could not. Uh, mortally wounded, Kuze asks Killian to come with me. There is no place for us here. Uh, Killian refuses, saying, "No, I'm not ready to leave. I belong here." Kuze How says, she arrived at this conclusion? I have no idea." Yeah. Um, inner ghost, and then fades out. Then a Hanka sniper kills him. Um, but the ghost will always be with her. Uh, Bato and the team rescue Killian, while Aramaki executes Cutter with Killian's consent. Um, you know, we got beat Takashi like fully phoning it in, just getting that Hollywood bucks and yeah. and piecing out in this. Um, and beat Takashi playing beat Takashi. Yeah, and it it really like him killing 
cutter was the most obvious because I've seen him do I just stand there stoically and pull a gun like the trigger on a gun and kill someone um and it been like really well acted even though he's like completely unmoving through it and like a uh you know wonderful scene like it like an interesting compelling scene that's not what this is <laughs> yeah um we can anyway. talk about beat Takeshi in this movie later yeah, there's also a weird, like, focus on consent throughout this movie um, that yeah. has, like, no real interesting thing to talk about, I don't think. Um, anyway, the next day, now repaired and embracing her true identity as the Japanese Motoko, Killian reconnects with her mother and returns to work with Section 9. Uh, the end of this movie being a triumphant proclamation of, I know who I am and what I'm here to do, which is to be a cop for the state. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, um, it, like I think I think you had the quote the quotation in here. Um Yeah. It's like memories don't define us. What we do defines us. I know who I am. Yeah. And like it's like quite possibly like I feel bad just like taking the piss out of this movie and just like just having like unreserved, unreservedly like negative, but this is this yeah. dialogue at this point in the movie as an ending is completely nonsense. It is just yeah. absolute fucking nonsense. Um, the thing is, so I want to say this like before we get you any more into this discussion. Um, I went into this with low expectations, but I was hoping to find like actually interesting themes that we could like try and unpack around like ghost in the shell. And there's some stuff that like we can kind of talk about in terms of how does this relate to, to ghost in the shell. But I, I just feel like every single thing it's like failing at, um, in a way where I don't want to spend a ton of time just like, here's this other theme and here's how it fails spectacularly. Here's this other theme and here's how it feel fails spectacularly. Um, I think we can like touch on a few things, but it's just, I, I don't think what we like can or should do what we the attention that we normally give to something on this podcast um to this movie because it part of me is just like i don't know how fun it's going to be for me maybe the listeners would love to hear us tear into every single aspect of this movie but like at a certain point i'm like yeah it's bad it it like completely misunderstands ghost in the shell um it like takes a bunch of interesting themes and just like jumbles them around and doesn't really say anything interesting about them. And then we're done. Um, yeah, I think, but I did want to come in here and like, actually hopefully have, like, I was hoping I would come in and be like, okay, most of this movie's bad, but here's a few things that it does. that is actually kind of interesting. Let's like talk about it. Let's talk about how maybe it's still not like nailing it very well, but there is some sort of interesting meat that we can play with here. And I just, I don't think that's in this movie at all. Um, and also I think that like, this movie is deeply racist. Um, I recently on, on ornate stairwells was talking about uh, the prisoners of the ghost land, which is that um, Sono Shion film that I, that you noticed that had um, Nicholas cage. Um, I think I like mentioned him somehow. And then you looked it up and was like, Oh, he did a movie with Nicholas cage about like oh, cowboys yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it, and while I was watching it, I was like, if I was not going into this movie um, aware that this was, like, a, a 
American movie that is being made by a Japanese director who is known for doing schlocky things, I would probably be like, wow, this is some like, you know, kind of whack racist, like Orientalism around Japanese culture. But knowing who was directing it, I, I like started keying into, I think so much of that movie is specifically commenting on this like weird racist Orientalism that exists in Hollywood. Um, and making fun of it and like putting white people on screen in positions of power and having them in the movie mispronounce Japanese names with like a Japanese director who could correct them, but I don't think he wants to. I think mm. he won I think he that movie is meant to be a commentary on like American perspectives on Japan. Because also a lot of the themes in, in Prisoners of the Ghost Land is around like oh, this bomb fell and a clock stopped and now there's all these people trying to hold the clock back and not continue to tick because if it continues to tick, like, another bomb will explode. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some of that is commenting on stuff happening in Japanese culture, but I think some of it is also commenting on, like, a weird timelessness that America wants from Japan. Um, they want to have, like, the geishas and the samurai and the yakuza and the pagodas <laughs> And the high techs like buildings and the holographic koi and stuff. Um, and this movie is just doing all of that. And I, I like not with the irony and the the self awareness that Prisoners of the Ghostland has. Ghost in the Shell 2017 is just fully like one of the most damning things about this movie is I, I watch most movies with subtitles on, even if they're fully in English, because I just I find it easier to process audio sometimes that way. Um, especially if there's like also a lot of video happening. Um, I think I've just gotten very used to having um, subtitles on. Emily has like even more um, audio processing issues because um, she's aut autistic. And so like she just always wants subtitles on and I've just gotten very used to it. And it helps me as well too now. Um, and so I just had it on even though I was watching this alone because Emily had no desire to watch the Ghost in the Shell 2017 movie. Um, and many, many times in this film, the, there's a subtitle that will just say, and it just continues to recur, indistinct Japanese chatter. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll often be over shots of like a, a city street that is, you know, vaguely cyberpunk and holograms, but, or, you know, holographic images um, on the city street, like in Blade Runner. And like but, market stalls and like. Yeah. Yeah. But it's even more like, oh, this is like weird Japanese Orientalism than Blade Runner was, which already has like a little bit of that in the way that it's like portraying the future of like, oh, Japan's going to like conquer the world kind of is is a there's a, a strain of cyberpunk that like truly believed Japan would just get so big that there would just be like, you know, Japanese would be spoken all over, um, which there's maybe a better understanding of Japanese in the U S than there has been historically because of anime and stuff, but like not in the way that they were envisioning. Yeah. Like, like, um, um, like snow crash or something. Yeah. Um, but, and so often it's over like, yeah, we get these cyberpunk city streets with the holographic projections, but they are of like koi swimming and women in geisha outfits and kimonos and stuff. And like, like everything was just like we have to like put Japanese culture quote unquote in here, but in like no definable way, just in this like generic idea of what Japan is. It's koi, it's geisha, it's you know kimono, it's like all these little things um, in a way that that was just like really just struck me. Um, 
and I was talking to um friend of the pod, M, who, you know, has the abnormal map- mapping discord, uh, you know, runs the network. Um, and they were saying like, yeah, the first time I watched it, like the very first scene is um, all of the Asian people in that scene are either these like dolls that are these geisha dolls or they are like specifically dark skinned Asian people who are like the villains with guns, like everybody in the intro scene, um, who, who is Asian, especially like darker skinned Asian is either like inhuman or Yakuza villain. And all of them are like enemies who have to be killed by the white lady who we are going to like say is Asian. Um, it's just like this movie is like trying to engage with race and ideas of race, but in ways that are just like very awkward and not like actually doing anything or I think thinking through what it's saying. There's a scene where where Scarlett Johansson as the major is touching the face of a black woman and talking about how different it feels. And it's specifically around like, oh, because she has a cyberized body and this is a real body. But it is still the image of a white woman touching the face of a black woman and commenting on how different her face is. Um, in a way that I don't think is like actually interrogating what that image is about. So yeah. this is like There's my also... biggest complaint with it. You <clears throat> might have more here too. <laughs> well, and then I, I'm just gonna, I just wanted to add like the scene immediately preceding that is the major like encountering this woman on the street and the woman is wearing like, you know, some cyberpunky like makeup. Um, yeah. But like the major is like, are you human? Um, and the woman's like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, immediately leading to like this, you know, the scene you described. Um, I also think that like that scene is like it, there there is something to do like in that scene with like the major like like the the major like being gay or like being attracted to women in like the actual franchise you know which yeah. we've discussed at length like i couldn't help but feel like that would that scene exists like the framing of that scene and the like the intimacy that that scene is going for um between like those two women I'm not saying it achieves it because you know everything that else that we're talking about um but it, it yeah. has that like dint of like the faint like it lesbian that, like, representation have you yes watched? But like, like, but not even getting to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like the faintest, like, I mean, if I may say, like, the faintest, like, queer baiting. Um, yeah. That can be like, oh, like, explained away. Like, oh, no, that's not like, you know, there's nothing sexual going on here. But like, th- there is, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, with the way that scene is constructed. Um, um, another thing that I, I want to bring up just because I, when I went to the ghost in the shell, Wikipedia, like 2017 Wikipedia page to get the plot synopsis, there is a part in the beginning thing where they say like the casting of white actors, particularly Johansson drew, uh, accusations of racism and whitewashing in the United States, despite Mamoru Oshii, director of the original anime stating that there was no basis for the accusation, um, 
Which one I want to say that like understanding uh, of like American racism in Japan is very different than like this is a movie coming out in America and there are like Asian Americans. There are like Japanese American people. Those are the people who like should be listened to in terms of like, what is the racism that is happening in this American movie that is being like geared towards an American audience um, more so than, than necessarily Japanese audiences, because from the perspective of Japanese audiences, like there is a, a um, homogenous, a fairly homogenous society there where a lot of racism that exists in Japan, um, white people don't really like suffer much racism in Japan, but there is still a lot of like anti-black racism in Japan and, um, you know, anti-Vietnamese and Chinese racism and things like that. Um, and so a lot of Japanese people do not like Japanese people think it's more quaint when Americans want to come over and wear kimonos. Whereas like Japanese American people have very different feelings about white Americans wearing kimonos. Um, because there, there's like a very different context in the U S for those sorts of things. So that's like part of the response to that, that I have, uh, just for people who might have that perspective, like, well, Oshi said it's fine. Um, yeah. And I mean, then there's also like, there's, there's just several layers to that whole thing where like, yeah. And it, like, there's also like the auteurist like aspect of that where it's like, okay, well, yes. We're taking auteurism now, like, past the point of just, like, auteurism and also, like, you know, to, like, let's make the auteur, like, an authority on, like, racism also. Yeah. You know, whether or not, like, this completely other different film is, like, racist or not, which is, like, such an expansion, an attempted expansion of, like, that auteurist framework. Um. And then the way that yeah. was like deployed by like like Hollywood, um, like that those comments by like Oshi were like circulated by like you know like Western media and like Hollywood in a way that I think is like you know obviously self serving. Um, yeah, even though like if we were just evaluating like Oshii's comments, like there, there yeah. might be like room for discussion there. Um, the the other like, thing is like Oshii's specific comments are about the casting of Scarlett Johansson to be the major right. and him talking about how like her physical form is an assumed one. And so like, you know, you know despite her Japanese name, and that argument is one that I fundamentally like the reason why I think this movie is, is racist and whitewashing is not because they cast Scarlett Johansson in this role, but because of all these other things that I've been talking about. I think you could have a, a especially like a Japanese director, but I think you could also have like other people who are just more keyed into this. You could have more involvement from like, you know, Asian American communities and things. And you could have a movie that is about like this is a Japanese character who, because this is a fully assumed cybernetic body, it is this like idealized, like Scarlett Johansson is like considered one of the hottest women in the world, you know, especially from like an American perspective. Right. And so this like very, very like um, idealized white form. And then what does that mean? And you're actually interrogating, like, what does it mean that like an Asian woman's idealized form is still this like white woman? And you could have a really interesting film that would actually like 
dive into those themes. But this movie is not doing it, and so that is why it is racist and whitewashing, not just that they cast her in this role. Um, okay, so... To, to me, at least. I know other people might disagree that, like, no, it should have just been, like, a Japanese actress playing this. But I think there are, there are ways that Japanese people could have been involved in other parts of this, like, the making of this film to still tell a really interesting and compelling and thematic thing around this. Um, and it's not what the film is. Yeah. So, okay. So, on that point, it's like, I, I want to return to this point because this is, like, my jumping off mm-hmm. point here. But, like, temporarily, I'm going to go back to, like... um comments that like you made to like start off our our notes section Mm -hmm. which is you were saying like our approach to this movie um i think for me like you know we talked about this last night and then a couple days ago um and also like you know we we've discussed this on the podcast um specifically the fact of like on ghost divers we never want to like just bring something on here and just pillory it. Yeah. Um, like we always want to do like, you know, um, but that's just not like what we want the podcast to be. So we're going to select material that like <clears throat> is going to be productive for us to like, <laughs> you know, have these conversations like in a way that is um, like, Primarily critical, yes, um, but also like close to like the material, right? Like the material has yeah. to like you know is giving us something to work with, and we're like diving deep into it, um, as opposed to just like holding it at arm's length and just being like, oh, like this is repugnant, or just like ripping it apart, like in a way that's not like you know, this, like, insightful... Well, like, negative criticism can be insightful, too. Um, But just, like, you know, critically tearing something apart. um, Yeah. It it only goes so far. Um, Yeah. So, like... It's it's the distinction of, like, criticism versus, like, just taking the piss out of something or just, like, razzing on it, to me. Which are, you know, notably more um flippant terms that i'm using because it, it like i feel like that expresses some of the flippancy of just like haha this is so stupid right um let's just make fun of it for hours and also like that's that's easy you know yeah um, and it's not like oh we're not gonna like we're because ghost divers is so great like we're not gonna take this easy road um like it's just i just don't think that ultimately like has a lot of value and and i want to like you know do criticism and like encourage like a different type of discussion or at least like you know contribute to discourse and like in this other way um it's not fun or interesting for me (laughs) right and yeah and, and i just don't think it like ultimately goes anywhere so okay so first thought second thought this film warrants a special exemption to that policy, I think, just because, like, yeah. it is really, like, again, this is not something that you'll hear us say often, but, like, it is really not not a good film. Um, yeah. And, like, and we're talking about it specifically because it's about, like, one of our favorite series, and it's adapting it. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and especially, like, in relation to, like, 
the actual franchise, which, you know, we both obviously, <laughs> um, we both obviously have some strong feelings about and, and like, um, yeah, there's a personal, but also element. are mixed on some stuff, you know? Yeah. But I think, you know, overall taking it as a whole, um, um, I, I think, I, think I said on the, the ornate stairwells recording last night is, um, as much as I like, like to talk about hating second gig, I would watch it again right now over like bleach. <laughs> I <Yeah>. just would. <laughs> yeah. Second gig, like, well, okay. Listen to our second gig coverage coming up to find yeah. out our opinions on that. Um, I will just say <laughs> we did vote ghost in the shell as like, we ranked it number one. Um, like, on our podcast on the official ghost Divers ranking so yeah um any so there's a personal element to this where it's like i'm okay with just being like yeah i don't like this movie because like it is like pissing on like a lot of other content that i really like um okay so with that all said i think there is room like with this film I think discussing this film in relation to Ghost in the Shell is almost like does not give us a very interesting platform um, because of everything that you said earlier, where it's just like the connections there are like, I think we could have a whole discussion that wasn't just like negative about, oh, how, you know, how does it connect? But I think so much of that is incoherent and like tenuous at best. Um, yeah. So like d- deriving a lot of meaning from that, um, I-, I think is just like going to be very frustrating and like squeezing blood from a stone. Um, yeah. But I think like Ghost in the Shell 17 as its own entity has a lot of stuff going on. That, like, if we're not discussing it directly as, like, oh, this is, you know, Ghost in the Shell media, um, and just as, like, it's more of a Hollywood movie than it is, like, a Ghost in the Shell film. Yeah. Um, and it, it, like, does have content that we can have, like, an interesting discussion about. And so getting back to, like, where I jumped off from, this theme of ethnicity in the film um both like the theme as it exists like in the film and then the like the film itself like the production history in the film like as an object um like having like this having this like engagement with ethnicity um, that you kind of like open the conversation on. um, Yeah. I think is a very interesting um, while still frustrating, like frustrating for different reasons um, in the way that like it's, there are some interesting things going on here. Um, I think like the reason that I, I stopped you there is because one of the like turns in the film that I I honestly like did not expect um, was that like twist of like 
oh, well, the major is actually, like, like, they took this, like, Japanese girl and, like, essentially, like, they, like, abducted her and then put her into this white body. Um, yeah. Which it now then just becomes, like, a crucial part of the narrative of the film. Where, like, in a way that I think um, certainly does not redeem, um, but changes the meaning of, like, some of this stuff that's happening. Um, where, like, the actual narrative of the film becomes about, like, this corporation... Um, Honka, I think, is, like, kind of, like, pseudo-German, um, but for all intents and purposes, like, a big tech, like, an American, like, big tech company, um, like, taking, like, an Asian girl and then, like, alt, like, cutting her off from her identity by, like, suppressing her memories and then, like, throwing her into, like, a white body um, that is like Scarlett Johansson by force. And then yeah. like making her like a weapon of the state basically. Um, and there's a lot there, especially in conjunction with like, then all of the stuff that you brought out about like Hollywood casting um, and the like intersections of Japanese and American identity um, in Japan, America. Um, and then, like, also the Orientalism in the film. <laughs> and the way that, like, yeah. um, like, just, like, like Asian-ness, but then, it's, like, specifically, like, Japanese culture and icono- iconography is presented. Um, so, I just want to, like, frame all of that up there. Um, because I think all of those things are, like, related and um in a way that is like not again not fully coherent um i don't think there's really any like to adopt the like auteurist uh perspective again like i think it would be difficult to point to like a coherent design um yeah behind Which how is, this is, is kind of um you know if people are listening to this first and foremost give $5 to uh, explore audio network, um, you know, give more, but like at least give $5 and get pop down funk. <laughs> um, but if you want to give $5 to another network, you can give $5 to abnormal mapping and listen to blockbusters, which is M and Jackson watching uh, Hollywood movies primarily um, and sort of talking about them and, and uh, often as part of it, kind of talking about how the, the production of Hollywood movies, like, by its very nature creates incoherence um there there are so many rewrites there's so many like scripts will get passed around and will be like rewritten for entirely different franchises um you know the i think like the script for there are multiple scripts that were going to be die hard with a vengeance and like one of them became a speed movie and the one that became Die Hard with a Vengeance was supposed to be a lethal weapon movie to begin with. Um, and it was like written and intended to be for Lawrence Fishburne. And then they got Samuel L. Jackson instead. Um, and just like the, the production method here, like causes. So there are so many hands that touch it, that it like lose it. 
any coherence that arises out of that is almost a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that like rises out of the production um, process for like modern Hollywood films is a miracle. Um, and so that's why you get things that could be interesting, like this thing of like, okay, this is like about a corporation um, taking like a, a Japanese American girl, putting her in this like idealized white body um and making our weapon in the state and then it ends with her being like memories don't define us what we do defines us i know who i am and what i'm here to do and it's to be a weapon for the state um (laughs) but also like Um, now i know that i'm like japanese american but like yeah that doesn't like mean it like memories don't mean anything right it's all about like yeah our identity is entirely performative so like yeah what this corporation did to me like actually doesn't like really matter like the fact that they stole my memories is not a big deal because like like memories don't define me yeah even though now like and it there's like there's like literally two like narratives and two thematic arcs that are like clashing against each other yeah in this um and and seemingly just because it is the the ending of it this like ah yes it my final thing is to like know that I'm Japanese American, but then still be this weapon of the state. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, for them to be but on the good to... side, cause we kill the evil CEO cutter. Yeah. Know? With like, with the literally the line, this is justice. This is what I was yes. built for. Right. Yeah. Like this ultimate affirmation of like, Oh, okay. Well, like, me being like deprived of my like original body and like manufactured into this like new body at the behest of a corporation like i'm like validating this like yeah this is what i was built for will yeah like oh but this is what i was built for like and it's justice and justice is just like killing that guy that one bad guy and also i'm giving my consent so like Take that. Yeah, consent's important. Like, yeah, just like throwing ki- the ki- like whole consent thing into this as well. It's just like a fucking yeah. morass. Um, I think that's also kind of related to some of this. Um, that I think also comes up in this Malou is the way that um, one that the shell becomes like when Ghost in the Shell broadly is talking about shell, it is like. It is, like, this way of talking about the body that includes the cyberized body as well as the, like, fully organic body. Um, And the, like, weird commingling that's happening there. And then the ghost, like, there's all these things about, like, what is the ghost? And it is this, like, concept that is developed. And where is the ghost located? And, like, what do we define as the ghost? Um, And you could maybe say it's something like the soul, but, like... It's it's specifically talking about something very like it is interrogating very specific ideas with this idea of the ghost. Yeah, it's playing with it. Um, yeah, it's like that, a shifting. that is beyond just. But this this movie wants to say like, okay, the shell is just like the body that the major has. That is a shell, right? It is just like a, a sci-fi term for the cyberized body she has. And a ghost is like kind of broadly like her mind, her soul, uh, her humanity, you know, they can control your, they can control your, uh, shell, but not your ghost. Uh, But actually they can, because like, yeah, the film decides they can. (laughs) 
And then also, like, innocence is, like, really interrogating, like, to what degree does the state, the state owns your memories, blah, 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 which, like, kind of comes into this, but not in this way that's, like, actually really interrogating those things. And that believes that (laughs) there's still, like, these pure memories that can be returned to you in a way that I I just don't think innocence believes. Yeah. Um, I think innocence believes that all memories are, like, kind of bankrupt in some way. Or, Or not bankrupt, but, like... Um, like, ephemeral and like uncertain. Yeah. Even our our current memories are ephemeral and uncertain. Um, and so, if those can then be owned by a, a, a company, how does that just like mess it up even further? <laughs> right. And then it's like, oh well, no, your your memories are really just like code that we can see once we yeah. like plug your brain into the like with an aux cable. And um, like, and we're just suppressing we- yours with drugs or something. Yeah, I think, like, is oh, that why she's taking drugs? Actually, is like the suppressor real memories? I never. Yeah, quite that's under- the that's the final yeah. explanation that's given. But it's like, oh yeah, Doctor Ule like he just sees my thoughts on her iPad, and like it's yeah. all code. But then also it's like liquid. You know, she's like, oh, here's yeah. your like real memories. I just injected it in liquid form back into your head. Um. <laughs> yeah. So like, from an expository standpoint, they're. It, again, it's incoherent. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a flattening that happens. I think one of my notes was like, it's in the first like 10 minutes. It's either like, I think it's in that like birthing scene or whatever when Scarlett Johansson is like, you know, taking her first breaths and Dr. Roulet is there. Um, when it, they're like, oh, like, you're an artificial human and like your body's artificial, but your brain's organic and like, so your body is the shell and then your brain is like, and it's just like shits out this like completely dumbed down, like flattening version of like the franchise title in like the first 10 minutes. And just like, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. No, you're, you're right. Is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Um, um, anyway, I don't know if you have any other like specific things you want to talk about. I'm, I'm at the point where like, there's other stuff we can get into with like how they're portraying individual characters and stuff. But I, I feel like the big things for me are kind of these, like we we've, we've, I think talked about the main themes that I'm seeing in this movie. Um, and what could be interesting there. And then also, you know, um, I think for me, like, it, it really does feel like, um, the more we discuss it, the more it feels like two movies just like at war with each other. Um, yeah. Where like you have this one arc of like, oh, you know, big tech, it, this like, paranoia and like criticism of like big tech um like not only um like invasively um like invading our minds and bodies with like technology to gain more control over us um you know in order to pursue like you know like amoral agendas um 
And then, like, in the process of that, wanting to, like, <clears throat> homogenize um, or, like, erase, like, difference and, like, specifically, like, ethnicity um, to, like, flatten that all out into, like, you know, for forcibly into, like, some manufactured ideal. Um, yeah. And, th- and then you have, like, Motoko and Kuze... Um, this like half developed backstory about like they're anti technology protesters, and then they're the ones who are targeted by big tech, by like the paramilitary, like private police of big tech, who kidnaps them out of their like you know pagoda where they're living for some reason, um, wherein this like Orientalism is happening, <laughs> of like oh well you know. Japanese culture is like identified as this like traditionalist, you know, bastion of like safety, whether it's like Motoko's mother and her like making the tea or like the pagoda where the anti-technology group is like sheltering and then big tech like comes and destroys it and kidnaps them and like, you know, does this violence against them. Um, and, like, you have all of that going on, um, but then you just have, like, also this, like... Most milk toast Hollywood action movie? Yeah, and, and, and also, like, this extreme, like, other, like, xenophobia um, that is yeah. happening around, like, the, the stuff that you... Um, like, the point that M made to you... Um, and some of the other like um things that we've brought up where like you know oh the geisha doll is like turning into these like body horror spider monsters and like these japanese like yakuza you know having like these fucked up like there's like cyberized mouths that are like fucked up and body horror ish for no apparent reason um, yeah other than to ha- like kind of dehumanize them yeah and and then you have like the club scene which is just really like disgusting yeah it has a tranny joke in it yeah which is also a movie in 2017 is just like come on this is an ace ventura like (laughs) yeah and there's also like an orientalist like yeah which is like couched within this orientalist framework where it's like oh they enter into this yakuza yakuza club and it's all like you know, supposed to be, like, bizarre and perverted, and, like, the Yakuza gangsters, like, capture Motoko, and, like, they're torturing her in this, like, you know, perverted way, and, like... Um, yes. Yeah, and, like, and all of this is all just, like, swirled together um, in a way that is, like... I, I don't know. I, I think maybe someone like can and, and then of course we get the conclusion which is like well your like ethnic identity in the form of these like memories is restored but then you just like accept like everything <laughs> then you just like accept like all of this that has been done to you like all of this flattening um like, yeah, she, like, reconnects with her, like, mother, but she's also like, yeah, but I'm still an agent of the state. And, like, my memories don't 
like have no bearing on my identity. It's all my actions and my actions are like, you know, I continue to just like do all of this shit. Um, so I don't know. And I think this goes along with like the scapegoating of like the CEO that you mentioned earlier, where it's like, it's all amounting to like, instead of becoming like a critique of like, like a larger critique, it just is like reduced to like, Oh, it's just like a bad apple thing. Like, Oh, cutter's just a bad apple. Yeah. And like, the rest of this structure is actually like, you know, acceptable or something. Yeah. Um, like in the end, the movie felt just deeply cynical to me about like it being a like orientalist jet, like, you know, pulling from Japanese culture, um, based on a Japanese animation, like, Hollywood film that has as part of like the the world building the like it is talking about the the whitewashing of like these cultures and, yeah. and stuff while it is like the film itself is actively doing these things yeah <laughs> um, yeah it just like felt deeply cynical to me and and like like when you said that you hadn't watched it yet, I was just like, I think this is the worst movie that I've ever seen. Um, and some of it is like, I am sure there are terror, like worst movies that I have seen, but this is one that I'm probably going to continue to remember because it's a franchise that I care about. And because of like that in particular coming in with everything that it is, like it just felt so like hateful and cynical to me in the yeah. end like when i added everything up together and when i took what was like maybe interesting and i started looking at it and then realizing that like the film itself was like contradicting anything that could be interesting in a way that just like um made me lose like any any like really desire to be like oh these you know again i there's a way that you could maybe take the script and and work it and like do an interesting film around it and actually develop these themes, but it is not what this movie is. Um, and so yeah. like this movie, just any, any interesting theme in here, I think it, it fails at like seeing through in any interesting and, and um, actually meaningful way. And instead it, it almost just becomes world building, you know? Yeah. It's, it's an incoherent like morass. Yeah. And I think like as in a, as like a Hollywood film made in 2017 like as like that artifact i think there is a lot of meaning <laughs> to be found in this film um but like the bad kind um yeah and like as something that is like illuminating and insightful and like engaged meaningfully with the franchise um and like having interesting things to say like no yeah um so do you want to do some emails yes let's let's um, do some emails <laughs> um so i i didn't do like a wide um call for emails for this because um 
I I didn't want to like spoil the surprise, you know, mm-hmm. of this being like this April Fool's Day thing. Um, I did do like a very vague like, hey, does anybody want to write in uh, emails about like Pokemon for glyph catchers? Um, <laughs> we didn't get any like actual takers there. I did in like basically the group of like other podcaster friends that I have, I revealed the secret to, to that like small group. Um, and just said like, if anyone does want to send emails to the, the question bucket for this, feel free. So we do have two emails from that. So these are, these are other, um, export audio like hosts who've written in. So the first one comes in from a true friend of the pod, honorary third ghost diver, autumn Blake, who says, Hi, Glyph Catchers. Loving the pivot to covering ghosts in the shell. Would you describe mm. the major as having purple hair and pronouns? Um, I think that the major in this movie is purple hair and pronouns. <laughs> Are you aware of this meme, Connor? I, I am not. <laughs> the, You're like, going to have to like, once blue again hair educate and pronouns. Me about memes. memes. Um, I don't know exactly how to, to explain this. It's just like... When there's a character in a uh, um, more, like, mass media thing in particular, but it can happen in lots of, like, forms of media, um, that is, like, demarcated in a, in a, like, somewhat safe way as, like, queer and trans. Namely in that, like, examples of it are, like, basically it is a woman in the film, but she has blue hair and like maybe wears a pronoun pin that says they, them, she, her or something, but everyone will still say she, you know, mm. it's just like when movies just like do the bare minimum of, um, or other like, you know, pieces of media, the bare minimum of like queer coding a character. And that specifically being around this like modern conception of like the, the non-binary trans person in particular, um, or like the the trans, you know, more broadly. Do, do you um, think? Do you think the major in this film even rises to that level? Not really, but uh, it's the closest. the The other thing that I thought here is, um, I think honestly, in a lot of works, like there are things where I talk about, like what is the trans resonance with Major Kusanagi. Um, and, you know, how does this, like, factor in, and I talk about it often as being, like, when I have done work in trans libera- uh, liberation of spaces, and you, like, deal with trans people in the military, and, and how do you, like, um, how do you talk to those people and, like, get through to them? Um, and the major kind of reminds me of that, and as part of that milieu... Uh, I think that, like, if the major is trans, she's probably kind of true scum, which I don't know if you know this term, but it's, like, mm-hmm. usually, like, binary trans people who have this, like, very um, medicalized and, like, uh, set definition of, like, what trans is, and it usually does not include non-binary people. Uh, it is, like, specifically, like, male to female, female to male, and it is, like... It, it is, like, fully buying into all the gatekeepery things that exist in, like, medical care for trans people mm-hmm. and that have historically existed and being like, no, this is correct. Um, 
almost like this weird gender essentialism about like, oh, here are the things that make you essentially like one of these two binary genders. And if it is different than what you were assigned at birth, then you are like trans. And it's like these very rigid things. I could see the major being that. Um, mostly because okay. she's just such a cop. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you mean like in the franchise or in this film? Kind of in the franchise generally, but also this film. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, she's kind of always a cop, but all of this is me kind of joking. I, I really don't think it fully fits with some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, having just learned about these concepts f- 15 seconds ago, um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm equipped <laughs> to say, um, yeah. I, it's I okay. Don't you don't have to comment on this as the the resident cis person on export audio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for the um, thanks for the letting you off the hook. The dispensation there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the blue hair and pronouns thing. I don't know if we even have that in in the film. Yeah. Um. So, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, our second email comes in from Nora Blank, uh, Nora Blake, Autumn's wife. Uh, Nora says, uh, so the, the thing I, uh, when I first posted about this, I asked if people had, uh, any, you know, I was watching a secret movie for, for Ghost in the Shell and we were going to record soon and send in any emails about any secret movies, figuring that people could just put together that I was watching the movie that I kept saying that we weren't going to do on Ghost Divers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, um, M guessed it, and then everyone knew that it was uh, Ghost in the Shell 2017. But um, before that happened, Nora just wrote in, what's the most secret movie you've ever seen? Um, she says, mine was Arrival. I watched I watched it on a plane, and until the end title card, I thought I was watching Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think there are different ways that we can define what is a secret movie. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if I have one that's like this. That seems to be a pretty open ended um, concept. Um, yeah. Do you want to go first? Well, I think. Um. I mean, I will say yeah. I watched a lot of sci-fi original movies back in the day. Um. Yeah. When I was like, so, um, not, this is not, a, a, this is a digression that has not been requested, but, um, like with my parents being divorced when I was like 10 or whatever, I had like visitation. Um, yeah. So I lived with like my mom in a different state and then I would, this was probably like when I was closer, like, you know, 12, 13, um, but I would like fly because of the visit, like the, um, the legal arrangements. I would fly like every other weekend to Atlanta to see my dad just for like the weekend. Um, yeah. And then when I was like at my dad's, I would just basically like hold up in my room and watch like cable. Um, and I just watched like sci fi channel. Um, like I watched Sports Center and Sci Fi Channel for like hours and hours on end, um, which might f- for you like uh, put a couple puzzle pieces together um, for why I am the way I am. Um, 
But like, so that was back in the days of like, I, I don't know if sci-fi channel does this anymore. Um, but they were really cranking out sci-fi original movies back during that time. And, yeah. uh, like, so I watched a lot of sci-fi original movies and I would say those, those are some pretty secret movies. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I was the youngest of, um, five and, and my oldest brother was 14 years older than me. Um, so I've talked previously on this podcast and others about how I watched things like The Shining when I was five is, is the big one that I return to a lot because it just is the one that stands out the most distinctly to me. Um, but like, I, I watched a lot of things when I was fairly young, uh, which also means that there was a, a point in time when I had seen erotic thrillers and knew that it was just like an interesting genre that I, mm-hmm. I have a weird fondness for. Um, but often me going alone, I could not just like rent an erotic thriller as a kid. This is like when I'm in like middle school, especially from like the video store. And we didn't pay for like the fancy cable channels, but our TV um, mostly got Cinemax, except it was like not in color and like what was very fuzzy, but you could like (laughs) mostly hear it Um, and you can make out most of the image. And I watched a lot of erotic thrillers and other kind of Cinemax movies Um, on that channel with like very bad quality and i like i don't think my parents would have like really cared if they just like walked in and i was watching something but for some reason it being on this like cinemax channel where like everything is distorted because we're not actually paying for it made it feel more illicit Mm, um and so that was i feel like that's the most secret movies i've ever watched um is like poor distorted cinemax yeah um yeah going along with that i think um like it, i don't know if you've seen these I, and i hope that you haven't um i hope no one has but uh watching the species movies um, oh i've seen those oh yeah yeah so like the whole like series when i was like 12 13 um yeah my parents definitely would have cared if they knew that i was watching that <laughs> um but yeah there was a yeah, I think that's my answer. So, um, somewhat similar to yours. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I got. I think we answered those, so we're done. Well, can we um, finally uh, leave this yeah. film behind us? Um, um and, and just to make- prove that. I have been playing Pokemon Crystal this entire time. Ah, that's just what I needed, you know? Um, yeah. Feels like a weight has been lifted. Um, hey, if you, uh, if you figure out how to get past Suda Widow, can you, can you tell me? Because I'm really yeah. stuck. Um, for sure. Okay, I appreciate that. Oh, I'm in a battle. Is what it? am I fighting against? Oh, God, it's a Geodude. Oh shit! Wow, already. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a level two Geo, dude. 
Um, yeah. I did, by the way, pick a Toto Dial because you were very gung ho about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I did, I did nickname my Toto Dial Connor, so I hope you feel Aww. very honored by that. I do. Um, yeah, that actually, that genuinely made me feel good. Yeah. Um. um anyway, I look, um, to, uh, I look forward to hearing about you beating the uh, the Elite Four with Connor. Um, yeah. Beating that um, jerk silver, or is no? What's his? What's what's their name in Crystal? Is it different? Um, the Elite Four. No, no, no. The rival. Oh, I thought it was um, silver, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Um. Well, anyway. next time, next time, you know, by the time we fin- by the time we are like done with second gig or even like recording second gig um you know we'll we'll have yeah, played the, through it yeah the question bucket people can write in um to the future question bucket you can send in your emails to um ghostdiverspod at gmail.com um and you know nice. ask Love me about yeah ask me about Pokemon <laughs> Crystal so um you know, ask like, what's the name of the the rival and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't go on Wikipedia because that ruins the game. Yeah, uh, send us the email. We'll answer it when we get to the question bucket, which won't be for a while. But you know. Um. Anyway, next time we will be well. Actually, like next episode is like going to be out today. Go listen to it. It's the start of the second gig. Um. And uh, also go to exportaud.io. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the volume back down on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can go to um, exportaud.io to support the network. If you give a dollar, you will get access to um, a number of podcasts early, which includes um, so Mondays is Gotham City Limits, which is a Batman podcast. Tuesdays is Ornate Stairwells, which is the movie podcast that I'm on, which if you want to check out and don't want to give to the network, but you should, uh, go to exportaudio slash Ornate Stairwells. Or also, if you just go to the Patreon, there are links to the free feeds. But again, they're like a week behind the the Patreon feed. Um, Wednesdays are Hot Singles, which is a movie podcast um, that's kind of been on and off hiatus a little bit um, because uh, one of the hosts, Alexis... Uh, moved recently. Wait, did you say Hot Singles was a movie podcast? Did I hear that right? Did I? It's a music podcast. Okay. I, I may have just said it wrong. I, I'm, I may have just heard things. Um, yeah. I'm still like... Listener, thinking, uh, listener, go back and, and check and, and let us know. You can tweet at us or write in. I'm still um, playing the, the Pokemon Crystal Battle theme in my head. Yeah. So I might have heard it wrong. <laughs> Um, Thursdays are Ars Arcanum, which is a Brandon Sanderson podcast, uh, that is also on a hiatus because, uh, all three hosts have gotten different jobs within like the last month. Um, Nora, Autumn, and Mark have all gotten different, uh, jobs. Uh, Autumn's is the least different because they just moved stores. They're still at the same company, but there's still some like, you know, adjustment with schedule stuff there. Um, and then... Oh, Fridays there there isn't one in the Patreon feed because it's just Ghost Divers Day, and we don't do Patreon early episodes. I guess we could, but uh, it it just messes up question buckets too much for me. I think mm. 
Um, yeah. And um, because I do people want people still who contribute are, though. Yeah, you know? I do want people who are who are listening to this podcast in the free feed. Like, if we even did that, I would still want people who aren't paying for the Patreon to be able to write in after our final episode before we record. But there's just no way to time that um, in a way that will like work. So, um, I think it's the main reason why this will always be free. Um, aside from maybe a few special things like the the one crossover episode we did. Um, although maybe we'll do pondering Putan that mm. way. I'll have to talk to Autumn about that. Ooh, they're that's in charge of the idea. network. Um, we could do pondering Putan as a, a Patreon early one. That's some premium maybe. content right there. Um, anyway, you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod and tweet a, at that one about whether or not I said hot singles was a movie podcast or a music podcast. Um, you can follow at Fox Momnia to see all of my tweets, but uh, don't tweet at me unless like it's it's important. Um, I'd rather if people are talking about the show to just tweet at the Ghost Divers Pod one, just personally for some reason. I don't know. It's just the way my brain is. Um, anyway, where can people follow you? Uh, y'all can follow me at Rabelais or A-B-B-L-E-A-I-S. Um, and you can also follow uh, at Mediav underscore Pile which is the um, Twitter account where I will like tweet screenshots from movies that I'm watching or, um, you know, right now there's a bunch of Nana like panels cause I'm reading through all of Nana um, and just extremely Nana brain. So we're going to hang up soon and I'm just going to read Nana. That's just what I do with my life now. Um, I think that there are still going to be episodes showing up in this feed where I tell people to follow uh, at Garford Aloud. Don't do that. I killed that that uh, Twitter account. Fucking um, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. The bastard. Um, it's all his fault. So if you're upset yes. about the end yeah. of Garford Aloud, tweet at Jimmy Kibble. Um, not Jimmy Kibble. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <laughs> I say Kibble a lot more in my life, owning two cats. Yeah. We should. Um, we should start. We should start a petition. Yeah, for, for for Jimmy Kibble, you know. Yeah, change for him to name. change his name. No, just like for Jimmy like, Kibble. Oh, for someone named. Oh, for him to do a Kibble line. Yes, it's called Jimmy Kibble. Okay, yes, that's, I'm with that's you. what I'm I meant. You. That's definitely what I meant. Yeah, um, um, def- didn't I'm have be a better honest. idea, and like, <laughs> I'm just jumping on that bandwagon. Um, I'm going to be honest, we did goof off a lot at the beginning of this episode. I still can't believe we went two hours. Um, Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye, everyone. See you next time.
movie so bad. It is. Um, we should. We never did is. a time that is clap. I don't think yes. we did that at the beginning. So we should do that for sure now. I've got it. I up. realized that halfway through, and I was like, ah. Uh, I realized it like while we were in the very beginning of the the recording, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to stop the podcast for this. Um, we'll just. I'll try to remember at the end, and if not, I'll just listen carefully and try and line it up. Um, um do you want to do like thirty-five, or okay. let's say thirty-six? Thirty-six. Okay. I totally just zoned out for a second. I, gotta, I didn't clap at all. I, I didn't like, clap what? at all, Connor. <laughs> what happened? What? How? What? I don't know. I mean, um, like, give me what? a new number. Okay. Is everything okay? This no. never happened before. No, I um, had to watch Guess in the Shell twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Just I, I've been cast adrift. All, all just the fundamentals of structure in my mind. Are Give me a number so I can clap. <laughs> it's like I can't even, like, it's like I can't even accomplish basic tasks anymore after watching this movie. You know what I mean? I'm begging you to let me end like, this podcast. <laughs> like, I just can't even, you know, if someone were to give me a basic task, you know, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I don't, I you- don't think I could. Connor? Connor, because you haven't yes. given me a number yet. Remember, the battery in this is, is dead, so I can't do save files. I just turned it off. Oh, Connor, Connor, the total dial is dead forever. Oh, no. <laughs> this no. is your punishment for not giving me a number. No. Oh, Let no. me clap. Uh, okay, I need to go mourn. Um. As long as you let me clap first. <laughs> Wait, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to choose. I'm really concerned since you missed the last one. I want to get the right number this time. So just give me a second. Twenty. Twenty. Uh. Okay. Okay. Thirty-seven. Fucking finally, I'm hitting stop. Uh, okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now recording. Um, yeah. You know, I understand why Craig says that every time. It really just like it's almost like a like a mantra. It gets you like really focused. Yeah. It feels good to like announce to just to to other people involved on the call that right. I'm now recording. Just like everyone, know, so that they know. everyone there. You know. Yeah. I have just adopted um M's thing of saying buttons hit. Okay. Um that's good. So, but I like you doing the now recording. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah buttons hit is is like That's very actiony. You know, it's like engage, yeah. buttons hit, engage, jump out of the plane, jump off the building and switch on your invisibility at the same time. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. So do we, uh, we want to bullshit around a little bit or do we want to start this podcast? <laughs> um, 
Can can we do the Pokemon podcast instead? <laughs> can, um, can we do Glyph Catchers instead tonight? Um, shall I, shall I start the podcast? <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it. 